What do I wish I had known? It's not easy. <laughs> I think AGTV and you know a lot of uh, shows make real estate sound like you know you just get your license and it's uh, it's going to be raining money. It's a grind, just like any other career. You, you really have to be diligent um, and have a clear focus goal in terms of what you want and, and putting in the time to, to get results. Um, I, I know 2021 when it really uh, was was laser focused. I was waking up at you know 4:45, 5 a.m be at the office, uh, getting an hour workout in, be at the office at 6.30, have some time to to really plan the day and starting hitting the phones at 8.30 and uh, grinding away. And I'd probably leave around 7, 7.30 at night, but uh, it paid off. But I think that first year in particular, it's essential to put in your dues. So that way down the road, if you decide to, to transition to different avenues of real estate, you have the foundation you know what you're doing and if you decide to to pivot you're going to be fine so the question is this how do most agents succeed in today's competitive real estate market when all the successful agents are keeping the secrets to themselves so that's the question and this podcast will give you the answer I interview agents from all over the world. I ask them their tactics and they share all of their secrets with me so we can give them to the world. I'm Aaron Amuchastegui and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui coming back to you for a fun 30 under 30 interview. I'm joined by Shelby Johnson. Shelby, say hi. Ooh, hello, Real Estate Rockstars. Aaron, thanks for having me back. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, you know, all you listeners, you could probably recognize Shelby's voice from when she interviewed me about my story uh, last month. But where it's not about me or Shelby today. It is about Deval Patel. Deval is one of the newest class of the 30 under 30 uh, realtors in the U.S. We reached out to Deval and said, Deval, we'd love to get you on the podcast. And he's here today. Uh, Deval, how's it going, man? Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it, Aaron and Shelby. Uh, things are going well. We've got beautiful weather here in Western Mass, so things are good. Yeah. So the, when did you become an agent? I got licensed in uh, February of 2020. Okay. So I have a lot more questions, but I'm just going to start to like, you got your licensed a month before the world like shut down for a second. And we all know what happened after, but how, so you got your license in February Tell me about your first like two or three months there. What was that like? Were you like, I made a big mistake or were you off to the races? That's a good question. It, it was really uh, an interesting time, right? So, you know, March, uh, we actually have a month long boot camp as, uh, as new agents with our brokerage. So finished that. And uh, to top it off, I flew out to, uh, to San Francisco for uh, a Tony Robbins conference, uh, UPW. The day I landed is uh, the day they canceled the conference. First time in 41 years. Uh, so it was kind no. of bonkers. <laughs> it's awful. Still made the best of it. Um, but it was slow. I mean, I was I was driving. I spent a lot of time prospecting. And I think it was actually a blessing in disguise. Uh, I got um, some, some valuable time with their CEO. I would be the first one at the office, the last one to leave. And if I had any questions that came up during prospecting calls for that specific day just say hey steve you know i had this situation what would you do and that was very very helpful um, and also when you're new 
you don't know what you don't know. So I was driving, you know, an hour and a half uh, for uh, for a client that was nowhere near ready to buy it, but it was great experience to be able to to better understand clients' motivation. Yeah. Totally. San, landing in San Francisco would have been the, probably one of the worst places in the United States to be the day that they locked down the world. So yeah. the, I can only imagine what a shock that was. Have you gone to UPW after or since? Yes. Uh, so I did uh, two uh, virtual conferences uh, with Tony and actually did uh, an in-person one. Uh, we organized with several agents from our brokerage and uh, we went last November. So that was a really beautiful experience. There's 10,000 plus uh, attendees there, a lot of realtors and, and small business owners. So uh, really, really wonderful memories. So what made you want to get into real estate? Yeah, so it was uh, at the end of a, a six-month road trip. Um, I <laughs> started off as a mini business trip and really turned into self-exploration uh, and, and met folks that I never uh, would have normally encountered. I mean, I ended up on a an organic farm uh, for, for several weeks and uh, a few different farms and uh, really experienced uh, that life and, and staying uh, you know near Amish folks. Uh, but when I got back, I wanted to uh, to hit the ground running. And I've always been interested in sales and what better avenue than, than real estate. Uh, the price points are much larger than, than cars or other asset classes. And January of, uh, of 2020, I decided to uh, go ahead and pull the trigger. I uh, spent three weeks uh, training, doing all uh, the prep work to get licensed. And I ran into our broker, uh, Stephen Rovitis, at a, a networking event. So... I was doing some research online. He had one of the top brokerages in the, the area. And uh, just so happened there was a, a local meetup and he was uh, the keynote speaker. Uh, so usually they have, you know, 10, 15 people at these things. And uh, it was standing room only. There was, I think, close to 100 people. And everything that he said was spot on in terms of the books that he recommended, the life advice. And I knew this is a guy I wanted to run with. And I was ready to do it for free. So I offered him proposition. Hey, I, I just want to learn from you. Uh, will you be my mentor? And he's like, it's uh, it's real estate. It's 100% commission. No need. Come on board. <laughs> so it's been a great journey. Oh my gosh. That, so so you uh, mentioned you're interested in sales. And then you also mentioned earlier that you spent a lot of time that first couple of months in prospecting. So I was curious, mm. like, what does that prospecting actually look like? Because a lot of agents in their first year really struggle with that. So what does it look like in your business? It's picking up the phone and, and making calls. So uh, we, we had so probably thousands of, uh, of leads in our database. Uh, the broker created uh, Stephen Rovitis, uh, Rovi Homes in, in 2015. And there's thousands of different clients that had reached out to us over the years. And it's, you can read, you can call those clients and, and build a connection and see if they're ready to buy. And many times, I mean, these are internet leads. So it's 12, 18 months out, sometimes even longer. So it's, it's a nurtured process, but I was able to find a, a few clients that were ready, willing, and able to buy through, through those prospecting dials. That so question. So that, so those leads, I want to, I want to dig in. I, I love too. the question, Shelby, and I want to dig in a little further. So, so he came up with a database, but it was like this database that he had of leads, but you said they were online, on online leads. What was the, like the tag, do you know what the tag was that became the online leads? Was it like ads on Zillow or ads on Facebook that said, come here for something? Like how, are, how is he starting to grow that? Cause you said they, 
because they kind of reached out to you guys about interest in real estate is what it sounded like. Mm -hmm. um, but then, so where did you guys get those leads? Do you know what was that catch like? And then what was the, what was the actual phone call like? Yeah. So, uh, Facebook ads, Google pay-per-clicks, um, and then, uh, Zillow realtor.com, the, the usual, um, leads that you're buying, you know, per, per zip codes. And then in terms of picking up the phone, we, we had, um, a, a trainer that, was experienced in, in calling for sale by owners and he gave us a guideline and, and, and some scripts to, to utilize, but it was basically getting over the fear of, of rejection on the phone, right? Most of the time, the conversations actually go pretty well. Uh, not all the time, right? You're going to find some folks that uh, aren't the nicest, but I think it's important to not take it personally. You know, you never know what's going on on their, their side. You know, maybe they're, they're having a rough day, a rough week, or you never know their backstory. So I think my mindset and approach was leave them better than you found them. And if there's anything that we can do is as realtors to, to help and support, and we're not trying to convince them to buy or sell a property. It's, are they ready to, to move forward in the search? And is there anything that we can do that's going to be a value for them? Totally. What was your favorite script? Yeah. It's mm. a good question. So one that we're using right now, I, I imagine for, for folks listening in, you know, real estate has in, in many markets has really slowed down. So there may be leads in, in your, your database that you've picked up through Facebook or, or, or Zillow or whatever, and picking up the phone and saying, Hey, it's Duvall giving a quick buzz back from the real estate office. We're connected on one, two, three main street. Did you want to go ahead and pop over and take a look at that? Digging a little bit deeper. What did they like about that specific property? Are they still searching or are they putting it on a quick pause sometimes? And then peeling back the onion, you'll see, do they put the the pause, the, the search on pause due to some personal things? Are they concerned about interest rates and understanding the motivation behind it? For example, if you have a client that's six months pregnant, they need to move within a specific timeline versus a window shopper that is just curious about the market and really dissecting and understanding where that specific client is in the journey, and then being able to best serve them. For example, if they need credit repair, we've got lenders that we work with for free because of the amount of volume that we'll do, they'll help them nurture their credit score and what are different tactics they can utilize to improve that over time. How many calls a day were you like, how many, how many hours or how many calls in the beginning? And then like, what CRM are you calling out of? Yeah, the, the, the initial CRM that we're using, uh, was kind of one and all. So it was a three line dialer you can do offers. Um, it was a good starting point. I'd say for the brokerage, um, I, I don't know, probably thousands of, of calls over a weekend, probably actually about thousand to, to 1500 calls over a weekend, but we're using a three line dialer. So definitely sped up the process. Okay. Currently, we're using Follow Up Boss uh, and, and double dipping with with Ylopo. It's, it's a really really powerful combination. Follow Up Boss is uh, is a one one line dialer, but it really helps as as agents be more organized and using smart lists and having everything in one central location with a very clear idea of who you need to contact that specific day. So you have all of these thousands of contacts at your disposal. You have the CRM, the triple dialer, the whole thing. 
are you required to make calls or is this just an opportunity presented? Because you are 30 under, you're one of the 30 under 30. So that means you've been doing, putting in the extra work and seeing the success. So like, are you by yourself doing these calls or like, is this a requirement? What does that look like? Great question. I think as a culture, we we tend to focus heavy on prospecting because it's one of the leading indicators that's really going to lead to the results that you want. And on Fridays, we actually have a, a team brokerage call with um, someone that's an expert when it comes to prospecting. He's been doing it for, for 20, 30 years. Uh, he's actually a uh, a keynote speaker with, with Y Lopo at a previous conference earlier this year. So we're very, very lucky to have him on our team as, as a trainer. And he goes over scripting, different objections that may come up. And we've actually recently changed the model. So previously it was two hours of listening to him calling for sale by owners or, or different clients. And now we spend 30 minutes with him and then we spend the remaining 90 minutes remainder 90 minutes going over and actually prospecting ourselves, bringing any questions to him. Hey listeners, Aaron here. I just want to tell you about something I'm super, super excited about. You know, a couple months ago, I had a bunch of people in my office in Austin and I taught what I called my foreclosure masterclass. It was to teach investors how to make money with the stressed real estate investing through foreclosures and other sorts of leads that are out there of people that are desperate to sell or need to sell and maybe they don't even know it yet and that process. Well, we had so much fun when people, everyone came to the office. So many people said they wanted to do it again. I recorded the class. It's now live and available for purchase. So if you're interested in learning about becoming an investor and learning about becoming an investor agent, being able to educate yourself uh, some more around foreclosures, about distressed real estate and how to get those, go to the foreclosuremasterclass.com, the foreclosuremasterclass.com. All right, back to the podcast. So it's 30 minutes of listening to him make calls. So you guys Correct. are there. And so he's like taking the dialer. He's showing you the process. So he's not just saying like, hey, go make calls. He's doing them. You guys listen to it. You get to see wow. the process. When I, was, when I first got into home building, I think probably one of the best office, office experiences I ever had was getting to sit in the same tiny office with, with two other guys. And they were calling and negotiating with trades and like trying to get them essentially to come down on their prices or get quotes or like these cold interviews of, Hey, you haven't heard of us, but we're building a hundred houses. Would you like to bid on them? And there was nothing better than me just hearing them have the conversation. And then I could have the conversations afterward. And it, for me, it felt so natural, but every, t but at times when I've tried to go train other people or give people the tasks or like record it once, I haven't had like as good of an outcome because, and, and I, I think about that in the sense that. Back when I first started, it all seemed like, oh, very natural, but it was only because I heard them talking so naturally, I knew that they could do it. And so I think that that's, that's a pretty brilliant idea uh, that they're doing in your office for you guys to be able to do that. How did, how did your first year go? Like, how long did it take to get your first deal? What was that first deal like? And then what was it like, let's say your first 12 months from uh, February, 2020 to, to February, 2020, 2021? It was a struggle. <laughs> so first year, my, my first deal was in uh, May of 2020. So roughly three months in, and it was a, it was a Zillow client. Um, this is when the, the team was still paying for leads. And I've actually uh, worked with them. Uh, we bought and sold three times and we're, we're looking for a fourth property for them. So it's, it's been pretty, uh, pretty fruitful. And I, I think... 
I was trying to do too much the first year. I was spending a lot of time learning and I didn't spend enough time implementing. Um, so spending several hours a day learning and listening to different podcasts and books. But I think the key, especially when you're first starting out, is to implement, is to gain experience. Because, you know, it's beautiful listening to an audio book about how to sell real estate, but it's actually going out there, failing, making mistakes, goofing up on the phone and understanding that it's going to be okay. You know, and I think that the, the transition from the first year to second year, I think that was one of the things that really clicked. And to put it in numbers, my first year I sold nine homes. Uh, the second year is 28 units. And I did hire a coach uh, towards the, the end of, of 2020. And I think that really helped. Uh, I have ADHD and I was just trying to focus 50 different things. And sh the coach really helped me get laser focus and have goals in 30-day increments and tangible progress, right? How many prospecting calls am I making? How many deals are under agreement, et cetera? Yeah. So what's something that like now that you've been an, an agent for like th you know, three years, three and a half years, mm -hmm. how many deals have you done? What's like the average price point of that? And, um, and what's something now you wish you would have known when you first started? Deals, I mean, what? Roughly 60, uh, you know, in the last three years. What do I wish I had known? It's not easy. <laughs> I think AGTV and, you know, a lot of uh, shows make real estate sound like, you know, you just get your license and it's uh, it's going to be raining money. It's a grind, just like any other career. You, you really have to be diligent um, and have a clear focus goal in terms of what you want and, and putting in the time to, to get results. Um, I, I know 2021, when it really uh, was, was laser focused, I, I was waking up at, you know, 4.45, 5 a.m. and be at the office, uh, getting an hour workout in, be at the office at 6.30, have some time to to really plan the day and starting hitting the phones at 8.30 and uh, grinding away. And I'd probably leave around 7, 7.30 at night, but uh, it paid off. But I, I think that first year in particular, it's essential to put in your dues. So that way down the road, if you decide to, to transition to different avenues of real estate, you have the foundation, you know what you're doing. And if you decide to, to pivot, you're going to be fine. All right. So the, um, so let's see now as your go, what are your goals for next year? It's a good question. I, I think I'm looking to transition into the investing side of real estate and also dive into commercial. So I've got a lot of people that I've met through various networking events that are looking to buy large multifamily properties. And I think it's it's a very interesting asset class. I'm also taking, I'm participating in a real estate investing course right now, going over fundamentals of wholesale flipping and investing. So I think that's a fascinating avenue that I'm, I'm really, really curious to explore. Yeah. Yeah. I think with, with so many of us, I know, I know Shelby can speak to it. That's like half the, half the stuff people talk about in the mastermind is, you know, us expanding from being people expanding from being agents, right. To also being agent slash investors, agent slash like owning real estate. Cause being an agent, working as an agent is great. It's like that first step to wealth. Like having an income is the first step 
to wealth. But as you become an expert in real estate, there's no better person than to be able to start doing investments, whether it's flips or rentals or wholesaling. You know, at our you know, at our first mastermind a couple of years ago, a couple of the guys introduced it as they said, if you're an agent and you're not also, you know, wholesaling or doing these other things, it's like you're working just for tips. Like you're leaving everything else on the table because there's this wealth of knowledge and opportunity in real estate. So you might get into some multifamily and some other stuff. The um, what what's the size of the apart like apart multifamily stuff out out where you're at? So in, in Hartford County, I mean, there's some uh, some some thirty units, some twenty units. Um, it's not like Texas. I'd say for the most part, where you have you know three hundred unit uh, apartment buildings, you know things are typically a little bit smaller in our neck of the woods. But inventory is still very very limited. Uh, there's a lot of New York buyers coming in, and uh, the prices have really uh, risen. Uh, I was chatting with uh, one of the top commercial brokers recently, and uh, she has a listing. It was one hundred fifty thousand dollars per unit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hundred fifty. Yeah, you get you get wide ranges. So the we lost we lost Shelby for a minute. Oh, and then and and she's gone again. I was gonna I was gonna introduce her to come back. She's in the middle of a lightning storm um, at where she she's at. So the the internet's dropping all the way off and on at different times. The um, so tell us about the thirty under thirty process. So the how did you get picked for thirty under thirty, and what has that experience been like for you? Yeah, so it's uh, an application through NAR uh, National Association of Realtors. You're filling out maybe half a dozen or about a dozen essays. Uh, you can uh, upload a video and, and basically sharing your story. So there's a few different things they look at. One is uh, volume and sales, also your community involvement. Um, I'm a member of GHAR, which is a, a local association in Connecticut. Uh, and on on the, the board, I'm part of YPN, Young Professionals Network. So they look at that and ensuring that you're you're involved in the community you're, you're looking to to give back a little bit so uh, this is actually my my third time applying so uh it's uh it's a process but it's been super super rewarding and it, i think it's been good to have a goal post uh to look forward to yeah dude i love that as just something as a highlight right your third time applying mm -hmm. for 30 under 30 how many in how many people do they have in the class let's see so it's a total of 30 30 people in each class yeah so so 30, well, I guess that makes sense. So you got 30 and under 30. I've seen some people that were like nominees or like almost made it or like, no. you know, so the list I was looking at was slightly bigger, but some of my closest like friends that I've interviewed on here that have become close friends have been from the 30 under 30 outreach program. So I love it. We've got Shelby back in the middle of her lightning storm. I want to ask <laughs> Shelby what she's yes. been missing out on. What are some questions and things like that? She, you know, she, she wants to ask and oh hope that gosh. it gosh. Yeah, it sucks because the last thing I heard was when you were talking about um, this concept of new agents overvaluing learning and undervaluing doing. And then, you know, the experienced agents, there seems to be the backwards portion of that where they uh, overvalue doing and undervalue learning. So I guess my question is, um, you pushed yourself out of that and you push forward and you're doing, and as you're moving forward, um, what balance are you seeing in your business today to make sure that you're still growing, but you're still pushing forward in your business? Mm. I think allocating time on the, the road, you know, between showings and, 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 and simply driving, having that be podcast or audio book time and, and maybe carving out, you know, 15, 30 minutes a day, but 
no nowhere near the the several hours I was spending uh, initially totally. uh, to, to to learn. So I, I think it's also time. Yeah, 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 being diligent about that. Hey guys, a quick commercial break here, but don't worry, this one is only going to run for the next two or three episodes. I talk so much about the mastermind. It's one of my passions, getting everybody to come hang out in Austin where I get to meet you guys. Well, we just had it you know, a few weeks ago and we decided for next year we were going to do pre-sales. We're only selling 70 tickets total for the whole country and that way we keep it nice and small where everybody meets everybody and the end of it, it's like a big giant family. Well, we put out the pre-sales last week and in the during the pre-sales, we sold more than 60 tickets. So there's less than 10 spots left. 10 spots left if you want to join us for the mastermind for next year. We're putting the date so far out there. You've got no excuses um, to be able to know that the date works. You can put it in your calendar now. And we also set up a payment plan for people to break it up into four easy payments. So if you're one of those people that have thought about going to the mastermind, have never pulled the trigger, now's the time. And it's for it's for March for next year. But you got to go sign up now if you want that spot. I don't like selling. I don't like advertising. So we figured we would knock it out quickly. We'd knock it out you know, this first couple weeks in April for next year. So instead of working on that, we're going to focus on value. If you do join the mastermind, you get to be a uh, join part of our private Facebook group where we do monthly zoom calls, where we do tactics on those calls. They're really small. There's like, you know, between 10 and 20 people on those. So you get to ask lots of questions and learn from experts. So if you are interested in signing up, go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com forward slash mastermind realestaterockstarsnetwork.com forward slash mastermind go lock in your ticket we have less than 10 spots left you can break it up into four payments so that way it is much easier to to be sure to join and i promise you it is the least expensive mastermind out there for the type of stuff that we're doing you know the go abundance masterminds that i talk about that i'm a part of cost five times what we do for this and i try to deliver twice as much value all right back to the podcast and my, I had another question too. So as you look ahead, so it sounds like, and I might have missed it, but it sounds like you're in a brokerage um, that has a lot of tools and leverage provided for you. Mm. Um, is that correct? And do they also cover the contract to close piece for you? Yeah. So we're we're, we're super super lucky. Uh, and to put it in perspective, when I joined uh, Rovi Homes, there's roughly 20 agents uh, in 2020. Now there's 250 plus. So we've oh, had sure. some pretty dramatic. Wow. Yeah, in that time, uh, it, it's grown to um, ranked by Inc. Magazine as one of the fastest growing brokerages in the country, number one for Massachusetts. So it's been a, a really beautiful opportunity to learn the business decisions that our broker has made. It, but my recommendation, especially for early agents, join a team. Understanding that your split's going to be a little bit lower, but as far as the learning goes, there, there's no better way. I have access to several highly, highly experienced agents that have sold 100, 200, 300, 400 homes and being able to pass any questions that I have off to them. And we have a, a daily huddle at 6.30 a.m. So if there's any deal doctoring or anything that we need to work on, along with some, some morning motivation, it's, it's really, really powerful. We've got mentors in place. Uh, we've got we use Zendesk as a, a platform and there's several different guides. So for example, if you're working on a, a foreclosure or a HUD deal or a land deal, this is a specific step-by-step -step process that you're going to be using. Um, there, there's tons and tons of training. I love that. What would you say to the people out there who say, I don't want to give up that much, which I, how much is it? How much? 50-50. 50-50. What would you say? 
or how would you know someone starting out in the business to overcome that mental barrier of the splits? Hundred percent of something is better than zero <laughs> percent of nothing, right? Especially when you're first starting out, it's uh, it's a massive, massive asset. I was chatting with a colleague of mine. He was uh, he was a teacher for twenty years, and he he, he was an agent prior to joining Rovi, but. We, we joined at a similar timeline and, and took it seriously. He sold over a hundred homes in, in roughly three and a half, four years. So in, we're chatting. Wow. We would have never been able to sell the number of units that we have without the, the training and infrastructure that Rovi has. Uh, there's, there's transaction coordinators that really help throughout the process. There's a lot of checks and balances. So we're very, very lucky. I would love to to fly up to where you're at and get a dive into the business and actually like see everything that goes on. That's super interesting. Morning, to welcome, me. come on by, Shelby. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it is wild, right? Going from 50 agents to 250 in a three-year period, Blows and my then mind. also making sure people get through that. I'm having conversations with agents and brokers every day that commission is the thing they're talking about the most. Mm -hmm. Commission and commission splits is like at the top of mind. I think part of that is as transactions, there starts to be less transactions out there. People start to look at their costs, you know, and then as people, you know, they start in real estate, it's easier to get, you know, say 50% of something is better than a hundred percent of nothing. Like I love that. Right. Okay. So it's like, no, yeah. when you get started, don't, I mean, you were willing to work for the guy for free. So getting paid 50% <laughs> is like amazing. Like there's no better you know, job to do than become a real estate agent. Cause people say that a lot. Let me come work for you for free. I get so many emails, messages, texts, everything of let me come work for you for free. And the, but you know, but real estate becoming a real estate agent, if somebody's true, true about that, they should become a real estate agent, you know, join a team, you know, make sure it's an experienced team that has a lot to offer. There's a big difference between one that Huge. says, I mean, what you're describing is a really fair idea of, hey guys, when you come in, here's your list of stuff, to, here's your list of leads. Here's your phone number you're gonna use. Here's your reminder on your on your CRM, on your follow-up boss, and now sit with me. I'm gonna do 30 minutes of calls, so you're gonna see exactly what to say, and then after that, and I'm gonna show you where to click and what to do, like hands-on learning, and then you're gonna take off. So of course, like you're, it's like you're jumping through, you're getting to take like five, 10 years of real estate knowledge and know it at the very beginning. So a lot of people now, after their first few years, they say, okay, I can do this myself now. I'm out. I wanna, yeah, I'm I wanna out. jump somewhere else where I yeah. get more of my commission. Is that happening in your office? If it's not, how is your broker overcoming that or your team's overcoming that? At, at a small scale, I mean, we, you know, and there's roughly 87% of, uh, of agents, you know, leave the business over five years. Um, we have noticed some on teams, I think the, the average, lifespan is roughly two agents, uh, excuse me, two years for an agent. Sounds about so We right. have had some turnover and I think that's going to be expected, but I think culture is also a very, very important component. There's uh, several agents that are, are top agents in our, our, our region and they've stuck with Rovi through thick and thin. And I think culture, it's really, really important, right? Who you're, who you're working with, because you're spending a lot of time with them and Ensuring that you're aligned and you know values are are, are connected are, are super important. Yeah, it sounds like your um, organization does a really good job of articulating the value as well. Because I feel like when when people leave teams, 
um, a lot of times they're like, oh, I'm going to jump ship and do it myself. And it's only once they've jumped that they realize how much the organization was actually doing behind the scenes. So the culture, in addition to the communication and, you know, constant communication is probably I'm very impressed from the outside looking in. It looks it sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it. I think it would be cool to get a better chance to see hands on. I mean, they're mm-hmm. you got your your brokerage, the team you're on, obviously doing something right up there, growing as quick as they're growing. Field uh, trip, Aaron. Yes, let's the, go. <laughs> we got to get my brother to come out there too. I know he's in the middle of, of growing his brokerage, and there's all these growing pains that people are having. But when you're getting that big and getting to see what it's looking like, maybe that's going to be some future episodes we do. We go do some behind the scenes stuff Dude. at some of the offices That'd that are sick. really impressing us. So. So Duvall, you talked about your goals of getting into investing next, you know, you know, keeping transactions, kind of expanding that. I, and I really love like what you highlighted earlier too about that idea of you need to you need to learn, but you also need to get active. You also need to take action. We talk about people that are always like the ready aim but never shoot. Yeah, like the you got to be willing to go get yourself out there. Like when it comes like driving houses and door knocking foreclosures, there's only so much I can tell people about that process, but nothing's going to make them comfortable with that until they've door knocked a hundred houses or 200 houses. Like then, then it gets comfortable. Then it gets normal. But the first 200 houses are awkward and no fun. The, uh, as people are going through that, what are your predictions with real estate and interest rates? You know, the people up there, is your team talking about it? How, and how is that market up there in general compared to, you did you have slowdowns? Did you have some increases? Just general stuff about, you know, Western mass. Yeah, great question. Um, so I bounced back and forth between Mass and Connecticut. We're about 30 minutes from the border. And uh, Hartford County is actually the number one market in the entire country right now. Worcester County is very close to it's Western Mass, and that's the number four market in the entire country. So we're we're lucky in the sense that prices, and as an example, there's an offer in, in my home, excuse me, a property in my hometown that had 73 offers recently and it went 130,000 above this all cash connection appraisal so it's <laughs> highly highly competitive it's been difficult as agents i, I put in an offer recently 100,000 above list all you know, conventional for a client uh, we weren't even considered we weren't in the top 3 so it is highly highly competitive um but on the on the listing side, uh, I've got a listing right now, and my, my seller is going to be thrilled. We're, we're chatting here in a little bit, right after the podcast to review offers. Uh, they're going to be very happy with uh, with what they're getting for their home. So it's difficult in that sense. And the total units, uh, to put in perspective, according to Keeping Current Matters, there's roughly 6.8 million units sold throughout the country in 2021. That dropped to about 5.8 last year. And originally projections were 5.2. I think revised projections are roughly 4.2 for this year. And historically, right before the 08 crash were roughly 8 million units. And the lowest point right after that was roughly 4 million to to put everything in perspective. So I think we're definitely feeling it with, with unit count. I have a question about, you mentioned 73 offers and $130,000 above list. So if you're working with a buyer, just real quick, what does that conversation look like when you're working with a buyer? They've they've got to be like, nah, man, you're you're kidding. Like, how do you combat that? It's uh, it, it can be a challenge, but we're really upfront. So we typically have buyer consultations with with clients when we're first meeting them, or even in the the driveway. You know, if the time if the, the offer deadline is very close, and giving them an overview and being really really honest and transparent. This is a market that we're looking at, and providing recent sales. 
this is a comp, it sold X above list price. The listing price is just the starting price in this in this region. And real estate's very localized. There's other parts of the country where they're, they're seeing declines of nine to 15%. You know, we're the opposite. Uh, listings are down 38% versus the same time uh, April of last year. And it, it's, uh, it's quite a, a unique market to be in. I love your knowledge of your data in your local market. You know, everybody out there should be trying uh, to train on that. I'm going to, I want to share my screen for a second, see if I can find <laughs> um, this. All right. So you said Worcester County, right? Yeah. Worcester County. All right. So as we're looking at, so I went on my, uh, so for those of you on YouTube, you're seeing my screen, I think, I hope if I'm doing everything <laughs> uh, correctly on here. But Worcester County is one of those places that looks like nothing has uh, changed the last few years, meaning nothing has changed like from the market where we're seeing these year over year price increases. The or the orange is the, you know, the 2021 prices where uh, two years ago, median house price was 376,000 where you're at. And then last year it was 416,000 uh, where you're at. And then now it's at 437. So you're just seeing these year over year seasonal declines. And that's pretty normal to see in real estate and real estate markets if you're tracking it over like a five or 10 year period, except for these kind of weird blips. And so if we're looking at um, like homes sold though, like the volume is way down. So as you're seeing like the, the difference, that was the other thing that you talked about is the volume has gone down. So there was a lot more transactions happening in 2021, less in 2022, more in 2023. So even though prices are going up, it's harder for agents to make ends meet because it's tougher to get kind of those deals. The other stat I was going to look for up here was the months of inventory, so if I could find it. So age of inventory, months of supply. So this months of supply data, so it says weeks of supplies. So you've got eight weeks of supply. It's been pretty standard for the past three years. You got about two months of inventory. I like to show this so I can show the difference of what people hear me talking about in Austin, because I, I see Austin, Texas all the time. And so you just see these differences of why there's so many different tales of the market and why it's important that we interview people all over the US right now, really, because in Austin, we've got, you know, uh, 16 weeks of supply, which also that's not bad. But if you look at uh, last year at this time, it was eight weeks. And the year before that was six weeks. And when we go to like our median price out here, if I can find it as I click through, so median sales price, Austin is a very different curve, right? So 2021, uh, the beginning of 2022, prices were up year over year, but we had these big increases, right? It was a 24% year over year increase. But now today in Austin, we're at a $469,000 median sales price. And a year ago, we were at 574. So we're down 18% year over year seasonally adjusted out here. And so it's, um, so it's really interesting as we look at these different areas. So like agents, what I was really impressed with Duvall right now is he knows his market. And so when people are gonna ask him, the reason I like to ask people their predictions is because every client you have is going to ask you your predictions. They're going to say, what's going to happen with the market, yeah. right? Like, so should I buy right now? Is the price going up or down? And the, and people can be, you know, people can guess, you can regurgitate what you hear on the internet, or you can try to look into the data in your individual, into your market area and like be educated with it. So I asked, I asked of all the question, the, he's very educated with his answer. If I'm a buyer or I'm a seller, I'm going to trust that. I'm going to go, okay, that makes sense. I see how that goes. And the, and I cannot imagine the conversation like what Shelby said. Oh my God. With, blows with, my your, mind. with your clients when you're like, Hey, I mean, two years ago, people said list price is just starting price. 
or list price is like opening bid amount, like an auction, but it's not real. When you're telling your client, I think we need to come in about 130,000 over asking cash. You gotta be fucking out of your mind. Right? Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to like trust that. I'm going to be like, come on. Why would I do that? Hey, real estate rock stars. We only have a few minutes left in this episode, but before we get to the grand finale, I just want to say, as always, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You know, podcasts are obviously free. You don't have to pay to listen to the podcast, but if you could pay one thing, if I could charge you one thing to listen to this podcast, what I would ask you to do is go, please make a review. Go to wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's on YouTube or on Apple or Android, wherever you listen to podcasts and go give me a review of the podcast. I read them. I listen to them. I try to make adjustments. You know, a couple of years ago, I had a ton of bad reviews on the sound quality or the number of advertisements, things like that. And I've really tried to dial in to add value for all of you guys. So please, please, please go do a review. If you want to get a, a copy of the toolbox of the stuff that you know everybody that comes on the show, they give us some tactics, they give us something that we put in what we call our toolbox. And so to get that, you go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com. When you get there, click on the, the toolbox and you get access to the free gift that every person that we interview on the episode provides. There's things like, you know, uh, listing tactics, how to do a presentation, you know, how to do a newsletter, all sorts of cool, fun stuff. And if you want to talk to me, go find me on Instagram at Aaron Amuchastegui. Ask me a question. I talk to so many of you guys on there. All right, back to the show. Thanks again for being a listener. No question there other than just being like, that's freaking crazy. The So Duvall, the, we've only got a couple minutes left. One of the questions we like to ask people is like, tell us about some, one of your biggest failures or something that you learned from uh, out there that you think um, that you learned from that you think other people might like to hear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I was uh, 18 years old, I, I got in the, the franchising business. So uh, one of my first jobs was um, was in the, the food industry. So at 18, I uh, got in that, that specific franchise and was uh, offered an opportunity to essentially buy a location, uh, pennies on the dollar, directly from corporate. And I didn't do proper due diligence. Uh, I was 18, I didn't know any better, and ultimately ended up shutting down that location and uh, cost me a pretty penny. Uh, there was a 12-month lease buyout, so it was a painful lesson. And it was probably one of my uh, rock-bottom moments. It was uh, Christmas Eve of, of 2017, uh, my, I was, uh, taking a few courses in, in, in Boston at the extension school at Harvard. And my, my roommates had, had gone back home and here I am in this, you know, cold winter. And, uh, and we, we lost uh, a lot of money on that, but it was, uh, a great learning lesson and not rushing into an opportunity and letting excitement get, get the best of you. So taking a step back and really analyzing the consequences, what happens if, if things don't go as planned. And for, for real estate, you know, if you're buying a property, what are your, what are your exit strategies? You know, if you, if your game plan is just to rent it out, for example, Airbnb, what if the market shifts? You know, what if we do enter a, a recession and, and things continue to slide? Are you able to, to rent it out or, or, or sell it? What are, what are some other exit strategies? So, I think it was a painful, oh. but very, very powerful learning lesson. 
Dude, your story hit me on so many levels, like that excitement, like been there with my own investment properties. And then also with the Airbnb shut down, I just shut down 18 Airbnbs and converted them into long term. So feel you. I have a question though. When you're 18 and something's costing you a pretty penny, like I want to ask how much a pretty penny is, but more importantly, I want to ask about like, how did you find the money to, to cover that? If, the, yeah, if that's so, okay for asking Aaron, because <laughs> yeah. we're like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I've been saving since I was uh, 14 and, you know, expenses are pretty low. So I had a good chunk saved up and uh, the, the cost of the, the location was, was fairly minimal. So the, the total the total loss, ready for this? It was uh, it was roughly $60,000. Damn, oh. as an 18 year old. Ah. That's like life savings, man. If you're totally. 18, 60,000 is a million dollars. 6,000 is a million dollars. Yeah. If you've yeah. got, if, if you're yeah. into five digits of savings when you're 18 years old, that's a million dollars. And it's yeah. like, no, nobody can stop you. And oh my goodness. The, um, I bet you learned, you know, I've learned the hard way several times about like corporate and office leases, right? Yeah. Retail leases, office leases. And so you get these and you go, this is a really, really great idea. Or something, but that is the probably probably the worst buyouts I've ever had was whenever my wife said the the way that I should be able to predict the market is based on when I sign a giant office lease because every time I've signed <laughs> like giant office leases <laughs> within two or three months I'm actually like laying off ninety percent of my people and it, and it's happened three times in my little so she said that's the bigger predictor of like you know the top of the market when Aaron actually because I also hate getting them. So she's like the biggest predictor of are we at a are we at a housing like bubble is when Aaron is so confident he's going to sign a long term lease at a giant office space and then it's it's going to work. The so we're we only got a minute or two left. I, I just wanted to ask Shelby like to, what was your favorite thing you heard from Duvall today? If you were going to highlight some of the stuff uh, that oh, you learned, there are so many things. Oh my gosh! Um, what I mentioned before about the conversion from the learning piece to the doing piece because I feel like that is such a big one. I also love that I caught the tail end of it as I was coming back in, but you applied three times for 30 under 30 where everyone quits too early consistently. Um, and also love that you're you're getting into investing. I'd love to talk to you offline about about that as well. So Of course. Yeah. That's what I got. Yeah, Devaldi, you would be a perfect fit for our group that hangs out annually out in Austin. Like you're at that perfect spot in your career. Totally. Where you're doing a lot of good stuff uh, in real estate, but trying to expand into these other businesses and other investment stuff. People are going to want to reach out to you, Deval. They're going to want to send you referrals to your area. They're going to want to ask you how you're doing it. Or they're going to be like me and Shelby who want to come tour your office and shadow you for a day. What is the best way people can come find you? Yeah, I've been uh, super lucky and uh, mentors have done this for me. So I'd love to pass it forward. Uh, shoot me a text. It's uh, my direct business cell. It's uh, 413-224-6219. Again, that's 413-224-6219. Awesome. I know people are going to be reaching out to you. To all you listeners out there, as always, thank you for listening. If you want to come tell me how I'm doing, give us the, the good review, the bad review. Come find me on Instagram at Aaron Amuchastegui. Shelby, what's the best way people can follow you? Instagram at The Shelby Show. The Shelby Show. It's one of my favorite places to meet people, to get to chat. And for any of you listeners that have reached out already, you know that I answer those messages. We talk and we become lifelong friends. It's the real deal. Duvall, thank you so much for coming on today, sharing your story and providing so much value to new agents. You're awesome, Thank dude. Thank you. Appreciate it. Shelby, thanks for joining me. 
Thank you for having me. And real estate rock stars. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>